Father, as we bow before You this morning. In a moment of stillness, we ask that, Lord, the words that we sang, and Lord, the meditations of our heart, what's on our mind right now, will all take second place, Lord, to hearing ultimately Your Spirit speaking to our spirit. Going deep inside of us, Lord, and and helping us to see bigger pictures than ourselves, wrapped up in ourselves. Lord, I pray that, that You would just open our minds, open our hearts, Help our lives to be pliable, Lord, Lord, to what You want to say and do in us. We pray this in Your wonderful and awesome name. Amen. I want to talk to you about your investment today. The investment that you're making, according to the federal government, you're going to spend about $246,000 in this investment. Um, the, the government says that you're going to spend $246,000 $600 just raising and feeding and clothing and keeping healthy and transporting and housing and educating and launching each child that you have into life. Think about that. You know, that puts a dollar figure above your kids' heads. I know that. And so if you don't like, now I'm not saying take them out if you don't have that 246000 In fact, none of us have 246000 or very few of us do. And especially now you start adding a couple of kids or two or three or four or five kids to that, to that mix, then it really gets expensive, doesn't it? But it's an investment that when you brought them into this world, when you were blessed with them, maybe through adoption, that you took that on as an investment process for you. Now, now here's, here's one thing that is absolutely true, is you are the account manager. Our, most of our children aren't in here right now. They'll be in a little bit to share with us some things from day camp. And some of y'all are maybe here for the first time, second time, or maybe you came because your kids uh, brought you or whatever. And that's awesome. But I just want to let you know you're the account manager of some very big, important account that's out there. And it may be the account may be Joshua, Jordan, or Caleb, as in my case. All right, maybe whatever the name of your children are, that's the account. How, now here's the question, how are your accounts doing? All this money, all this time, all this attention, you're investing, you're feeding, you're clothing, you're doing, how are your investments? If you were to look at it and put it in some kind of portfolio, what would it say? Is their account full and overflowing or is it a little bit on the deficient side? Now every child has a personality. If you haven't figured that out, go have children. All right, we had a boy and a girl, and I thought, okay, we've got the boy personality, we've got the girl personality, then we had another boy, then we had another personality mixed in there. And I guarantee you, if you have 15 children, you're going to have 15 different personalities. So how are your accounts doing? How are they measuring up? Are they, do they have sufficient funds? You never want to be on the side of getting insufficient fund checks or, or statements, do you? You don't want to because it doesn't come, they come in the, in, from the post. It typically comes in behavior. Now, so I've asked how your accounts are doing. My question, you ought to be asking me, how do I measure those accounts? How do I know whether my accounts are doing very good? Well, I can tell you one thing. I don't care what the personality of your child is. There's one thing I know your child needs. It's one thing you need. It's one thing I need. 
That's one thing everybody needs on this earth. It's one thing that God gives us through Jesus, but I tell you, we as parents represent God to our, to our children. And if you don't realize that, just wake up. Because you are God Jr. to them. And they really look to you as, as the representative to God. They form their views of God based on how you live out your life. But there's one thing that I know that every child needs. They need unconditional love. I don't care who they are, where they are, what, where they're coming from. Every child needs to be loved unconditionally. Now, again, I put that unconditional love, I put the un, word unconditional in front of love because a lot of people throw out love and use love like it's a, like it's a, I don't, I don't know what, like, but unconditional, that's special. That means I don't care what you do, what you go through, what, what, how you mess up in life, I'm going to love you regardless. There's nothing you can do to make me love you any more. There's nothing you can do to make me love you any less. That's unconditional love. That's the kind of love every child needs. Now, again, I ask you how are the accounts doing in the home? How are your accounts doing at the home? How do you love your children? Some would say, I buy things for them. I buy toys, clothes, things, gadgets, gadgets, and, 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 and things that pop and boom. And, and I'm not talking about fireworks, but some of y'all will be buying that this week. Or whatever it is, you buy that stuff out there. It was an interesting study came out in preteenagertoday.com. It said 90% of kids ages 9 to 14 say that the family is more important than anything money can buy. So if you think that you're showing love and that you're filling up the love account of your child just by buying them stuff, getting them new and brightest, shiniest, fastest stuff, you know, you might try to say love that way, but really what your child says, I just want to be spending time with you. That's more valuable to them than the stuff that's out there. Some will say, well, I brought them to church today. That, that, that counts. I must be showing that, that I, I, I love my, my children that way. The reality is, is that, that just bringing your child to church does not necessarily fill up your love tank, especially help them to understand what real love is. You realize that school has your children 18% of the time. <clears throat> the church has your children 1% of the time, but you have your children 81% of the time. Think about that. 81% of the time, you have them. Now, there's something that's very important about that. You've got to realize you have a major role in the spiritual formation of your children. Everybody has a body. Everybody has a soul. Everybody has a mind, okay, or a spirit. Everybody has three parts of them. How are we doing, how are you doing, how am I doing as a parent in shaping and pouring into my, my children a well-balanced body, mind, and soul? How am I doing? How's their count doing? I've got to realize I have a responsibility. When Lori and I moved to Africa, we had come from a church. It was a wonderful church. had great children's ministries. The church was growing. Demographic, much like ours, young families, lots of kids, lots of children's activities, BBS that would blow your mind away, all that kind of stuff that we offered. And then we got to Africa, and we realized within two or three weeks of living there that all of a sudden we didn't have the church anymore. In fact, there was no church and what church there was, they didn't speak our language. And so our kids went and they said, what am I doing here? What they would do is they would pick the mud out of the mud of the walls. And so we had to tell them not to do that. That's a part of their building. So we actually helped build the church one time that we helped build, pick mud out of the walls. And so, you know, that's all they knew to do in, those, in, in that environment. They, they didn't have any spiritual substance to really build them and grow them. And we realized, Lori and I did, 
very quickly that it was our responsibility to raise our children spiritually. It was our responsibility, yes, physically, yes, mentally. I need to make sure they have a good education. But yet it was my responsibility, it was Lori's responsibility to raise our children spiritually as well. How do you love your children? How do you show your love? How do you fill up their love account? Some would say, I discipline my children or I punish my children when they do wrong. And, you know, absolutely, there's a, there's a place for that. But I want you to understand there's a difference between punishment and discipline. Punishment is different than discipline. Discipline is different than punishment. Punishment typically is a response in anger and focuses on the past. Discipline focuses on the future and originates in love. You know, if, you, if your response, if you, the way you do uh, discipline and punishment in your home is you made me mad, now I'm going to react and I'm going to explode into your life, that's punishment. And that focuses on what happened in the past and typically originates in anger. But if you focus on discipline, you say, okay, I'm going to calm myself down, I'm going to focus on what the situation is, and I'm going to focus on how he did this wrong and how we can do this better next time. That is discipline where it focuses on the future and originates in love and patience and kindness. That will fill up your kids' love tanks a lot more, a lot faster than the other things. Now, you've got, you got to discipline your children. It says in Hebrews 12, 6, it says, Whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. He even disciplines us as His children. It's a part of it. So how's the account on your children's love, love account? How is it doing? Be finding in your Bibles the book of Mark. If you have your Bibles, it'll be right there in the early part of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark. Mark chapter 10 is where we're going to be looking at. A little short passage of Scripture. Very easy, quick read. But man, does it have a weighty message behind it. Very weighty, very much. I think that we can understand maybe how I can help love my children, filling up their love account, so that when they leave the house... 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, whenever it is that they leave, that hopefully they'll leave knowing that they were loved unconditionally in this house. And where they may not be welcome to come back and live, they're welcome to come back with their grandkids. Mark chapter 10 is a passage where Jesus' ministry is really in full swing. It's strong. It's blowing. It's going. I mean, He's fed 5,000. He's had the Mount, Mount, Mount of Transfiguration experience. He's had all this going on. I mean, His ministry is probably at the pinnacle of His time. His disciples who are supposed to be learning, disciple means learner, okay, follower, learner here, they're supposed to be learning from Jesus, and what they turn into are bodyguards for Jesus. Now, granted, there were times that they were pressing in around Jesus and he was getting crushed and then maybe they did have to form a kind of a wall around Jesus. But this was a time when it was not necessary. We're talking about children here. But they kind of step into this bodyguard role and they start pushing these children back because these parents were bringing their children to Jesus so that Jesus could engage and love and share and, and care for their children. But they start pushing the children back. They start rebuking them. And Jesus... I mean, you don't see Jesus getting angry very often in the Bible, but there's times that he really gets upset. And one of the times he really gets upset is whenever you start, whenever we start, whenever his disciples, his closest buddies, start pushing back the children from being able to be loved by God. That's important to Jesus. In fact, it says even in here that he became very indignant about it. 
And so you want to see the emotions of Jesus get a little bit curled up, a little bit ruffled up. It'll be whenever we start neglecting our children spiritually, mentally, physically. It's a dangerous position to be in. Take this Bible, take your Bibles and look at me. The words will appear on the screen if you don't have your, your Bible. Here it is. Mark chapter 10, verse 13 says, And they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus saw this, and he was indignant and said to them, Permit the children to come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom, if God is a child, will not enter it at all. And he took them in his arms and began blessing them and laying his hands on them. I want to tell you three, four ways, four ways that we can communicate love to our children. And I'm hoping you're pretty good at maybe two of them. And probably you're probably pretty good at two or three of them. But I want you to look at all four of them. Because I think Jesus models all four of these ways that we, are going to, that we should communicate love and fill up that love account in our children. The very first way that we're going to do this is the priority of time. Having time is vitally important to communicating love to our children. Having time for them, budgeting in it into our life. Because you know there is one thing that is absolutely true. All ground is level at this area. Now you may not have as good an education as this person over here. You may not have as big of an income as this person over here. You may not be able to give as many opportunities to your children as this person over here. You may not... All of that stuff in life, you may not be able to offer as much as this person can offer. And so you can kind of look at this person and almost envy what they can offer their children as opportunities, camps, education, or whatever. And you can blame it on that, but I'll tell you why. Right now, every single one of us, kings, presidents, and paupers, it doesn't matter who you are, every one of us has the same amount of time. And when time is a priority and that we're willing to give our family the priority of time instead of just work, instead of just pumping it out, whatever pumping it out is for you, then we might be on, on, on track here. Look at verse 13 here. He says, And they were bringing the children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. Jesus has got a busy schedule. He doesn't have time for the children is the picture of this story. Jesus doesn't have time. Get him away. Shoo him away. He's got more important dignitaries to see. He's got blind people to heal. He's got dead people to raise. He's got fish to multiply. He doesn't have time for the little children. And that's not acceptable because Jesus made time. You know, I don't know, again, that insufficient fun idea comes back to my mind when I think about if if there's an area that I know that I need to work on, It's in this area of giving my kids the priority. You get so busy with good things in life that sometimes you forget the best things. And this is one of those. Marshall Hanuk wrote an antithesis to Psalm 23. You can read Psalm 23 in your own time, but listen to this. She said, The clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me to deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me 
in the circle of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I, uh, I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it all done, for my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my, de- my need for approval will drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. My, my in-basket overflows. Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. Do you understand something about driven people? Driven people are driven. They don't drive. See, a driven person is a person who's driven by a schedule, who's driven by an agenda, who's driven by goals and objectives, and that, maybe there's some value in that. There's some good value in that. But whenever you're a driven person, you don't drive. You're, you're now being driven by something else. It's time for us to put on the brakes, stop the car, get out, look at our clocks and say, okay, it's time for family. It's time for our families. You know, Jesus had time to, to look at lilies in the fields and birds in the air. Do we have time for our children? The disciples became gatekeepers is what they became in this passage of Scripture. Children spell time. Excuse me, I gave it away. Children spell love, T-I-M-E. Give your children time and you'll be giving them love. David Livingston is one of my heroes. I've studied him, I guess, ever since uh, he was a missionary to Africa, the first missionary to take the gospel across Africa. Beautiful story of his life and courage and Ended up, he was a missionary, he was a doctor, he was an explorer, he was a hero. He was he actually, in, in British culture, he is buried, or his remains are buried at, 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 at um, the big church in, uh, in England. I just lost it. All right, he's buried there, all right? His heart's buried in Africa, but he's buried there. I mean, he's a, he was a dignitary, he was a, he was a respected person. But he says at the end of his life, he said, the thing I regret most of all is I lost my children. Literally, one of his children was not a believer and became an atheist. Can you imagine a missionary losing his children? A pastor losing his children? A church member losing their children? Don't, don't let that happen. Spell love, T-I-M-E. second way that we show love to our children is a meaningful touch. Notice what Jesus does here. They wanted to bring their children to Him so that He would touch them. They, they needed to be touched, all right? Children need to be touched, meaningfully touched. Studies have shown that when a mother touches a child, it's a nurturing effect. When a father is playful with a child, it still has a nurturing effect that goes on in, the, in, in a person's life. The University of Miami and the School of Touch Research Institute, can you imagine? I didn't even realize there was an institute like that. So the School of Touch Research Institute began giving premature babies 45-minute massages each day. Within 10 days, the massaged babies showed 47% greater weight gain than those children who had not regularly received massages. The second study showed that actual bone growth of young children who had, who had been deprived of, uh, of uh, parental touching was half that of the bone growth of children who'd received adequate physical touch. You realize that one-third of all of our 5 million touch receptors are in the center of our hands. Are in our hands. Touching. Meaningful, loving embraces. Touching. You think about the life of Jesus. Whenever there was a leper, you remember the story, there was a leper there, he's got open sores, he's got 
wounds. He's got pus. He's got, oh, it's nasty. In fact, Jesus goes up to this leper and touches him. There's something meaningful and healing about a touch. Now, but the thing is, when you really think about the life and the ministry of Jesus, Jesus did the unthinkable. He did the unacceptable. He, he, he did the unnecessary. It was unthinkable because leprosy was contagious. And so if Jesus were to touch a leper, then He might become contagious with leprosy. It was unthinkable because if you were to, to touch a leper, because they were actually put in their own colonies. They were separated and segregated from people. So you don't touch, you might become contagious. That's unthinkable. It's also unnecessary. Jesus was able to call a dead man from the grave just with his voice. He was able to heal people with just by speaking it. He was able to say, hey, your daughter's healed and she's alive back there. And he wasn't even with that daughter. Think about it. But Jesus knew that this person, who probably had not been touched in years upon years upon years, reached down and was touched by Jesus. There's value and there's healing and there's love in touch. The parents brought their children to Jesus to be touched. Verse 13 says that He might touch them. And verse 16 says He took them in His arms and began blessing them, laying His hands on them. Are your children lacking a pat on the back, an embrace, a hug, a kiss? Are your children lacking a that-a-boy kind of hug? I mean, learn to embrace. I can remember going to some family members at times and I grew up with a mother that was a touching, loving mother and I remember touching and loving a family member and then pushing me back. It was odd feeling because I didn't grow up in a family like that, but yet this, no, no, you don't do that. You don't touch. You keep a distance. You want to fill up your kid's love tank? Touch them in a meaningful, appropriate way. The third way we fill up our kids' love tanks is through the spoken word. Through the spoken word, verse 16, again he says, and he took them in his arms and having bless, and blessing them. He literally gave them a blessing. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I said this last week, so I won't spend much time on it. But we have to, or it was a couple of weeks ago, we have to really evaluate our words. Are our words breathing and building life into our children and the people around us? Is it, or is it zapping life from them? Are we their biggest cheerleaders or their biggest critics? Now think about that one. Why I have to say think about that? As I have to say, Mike, think about that one. Am I their biggest critic or their biggest cheerleader? Am I the one who's rallying for them with my words or am I the one that's exhausting them with my words? Benjamin West, a British ar ar artist, became an artist kind of in a weird kind of way whenever he was left to take care of his, his younger sister her name was Sally, and he decided as a young child for a few moments that he would paint the portrait of his sister, Sally. 
So he finds some paint in the house and begins to paint on the wall a portrait of his sister. Paint slinging, going everywhere in the house as he's painting his sister. Interesting thing, his mother comes in and I know how I would have responded and it would not be this way. His mother came in and said this, Why? It's Sally that you're painting. And his mother reached down and began to help him paint on the wall. And this is what Benjamin West said. It says, My mother's kiss made me a painter. My mother's kiss made me a painter. And you know the great thing about this word, the blessing, it's actually an imperfect word uh, in the Greek language, which means that it's not something that you just do today and that's all. I told my kids I loved them when they were 14 or 13 or 8. I don't really need to do that every day, do I? It's an imperfect idea that we constantly give the blessing to our children. We constantly give it to our grandchildren. We constantly give it to those around us. Let your words breathe life, not death. Be a cheerleader, not the critic. Do our children need correction? Absolutely. I talked about discipline earlier. They need that correction. They also need life-giving words. They need a meaningful touch from us. The fourth way that we help fill up our kids' love tank is this way, is the message of hope. The message of hope. It says in this passage of Scripture that Jesus said, Permit the children to come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Jesus said, hey, listen, there's a priority here. Children need to hear the message of the kingdom of heaven. They need to have the message of hope. They're at a ripe young age. They will receive it. They'll accept it like nobody else. Barna has even done studies on this, on, on the receptivity of the message of, of the cross and of, of Christ. And, and when is a child receptive to it? And when, is, when do you, you kind of grow out of, uh, of the whole faith consciousness until you kind of almost close that part of your life up? It almost takes prying it open before you, you hear it again. And this is what his studies have found, that the probability of someone accepting Christ is 32% between the ages of 5 and 12. Between the ages of 13 and 18, it's 4%. Between 19 and older, it's 6%. So the children that we have on the side of that wall right there, on the side of this wall right now, are right now at the most impressionable time. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We've got to realize that as I, as I give a meaningful touch and as I give meaningful words and as I give them the priority of time, if I don't give them the development of their own faith, and the opportunities to hear and to learn and discover and to explore, I may not be giving them all the love that they need. And I've said this before, but please hear this. You say, well, how do you say that, Mike? Because you will never understand what love can be until you understand the love of Christ. He is the most beautiful, the most complete, the most perfect picture of love. And if our children don't know who Christ is, how can they ever really develop a full depth and width and length of what love can be? It's 
It's your job as a parent. Let me give you, save you a revelation that we had in Africa. It's your job as a parent to make sure your children grow up in the faith. We're going to do everything we can as a church to make sure we give you the right tools, that we make sure we give you the right opportunities, a day camp here and a, and a play day here and weekly Bible lessons for your children every Sunday taught by volunteers just like y'all. Okay? We're going to do that. It's going to be you the other six days of the week. We've got Kim Norton in our church. does an awesome job and, and actually works with uh, mops and and has developed songs of Scripture. And uh, we were talking this past week, and, and she is giving out today free to every mother from a th- has a three-year-old, or father, okay, no sexist here, mother or father who has a three-year-old to third grader. All right? They're giving out a free CD that all it is is something you can be learning Scripture in the car, you can be singing the Scripture in the car, and they'll sing it with you. And what an opportunity. You just pick it up. At the, it, it, all it is, it requires you walk across the room. All right? Walk across the room, go to the back information table, it'll be there for you. We want to give you the tools, but it's going to be your job throughout the week. It's going to be your job most of the time. I want to say thank you to the workers. We had 60 or plus workers working at day camp this past week. I don't know if you realize, 60-plus workers, about 40 of those were adults. So most of those were adults. If you worked at day camp either full-time or part-time this week, would you please stand up right now? We need to give these people a hand. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Junior counselors, too. You know what? What's really cool is... About three or four people came up to me or I talked through, throughout the week and found out that three or four of them took vacation time to say, I'm going to go out and I'm going to spend the entire week investing in giving the message of hope to the children. We still have positions available for eight teachers, 30, 30 substitute teachers that we need week in and week out. Listen, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to invest and to give the message of hope to other children. I have to wonder this, and, and, I'm, and I'm really through. I have, to, I have to wonder this. If Jesus got mad, and we see that He was indignant because they were pushing the children away. If Jesus got mad because they were pushing children away, would He not get mad at us today for not going to them and giving them the message of hope, especially when they live in our own home. You going to pray for your children this week? Just going to open the Bible and just maybe read a little bit? Need some help? We'll help you. We're the equippers. The pastoral team wants to equip you, help you, work through, sort through this. I want the children to go ahead and make their way up here because we're going to have a, a, a time to let them demonstrate kind of as they, what they, some of the songs that they learned this past week. But I want you all to do something with me. I want you to realize your role in this and declare it today. All right, we're going to have a responsive reading up here on the screen. And I want you to read the light print, and uh, excuse me, the dark print, and I'm going to read the light print. All right, so the white is yours. I will read the yellow print. Are you ready? My children are a gift from the Lord. Lord, we recognize our children to be a gift from you. 
We desire to honor you in training and the spiritual formation of our children. My children are a gift from the Lord. You tell us in your word that we are to train up our children in the way that they should go. Give us wisdom to know your way. Don't allow us to be a hindrance to our children's faith and life. Keep us close to you, and you uh, close to you, and cleanse us of life's impurities. We release our children to you, Lord, for they are not ours. Call them to yourself, enable them to serve you, and use them for your glory. Together, one last time. My children are a gift from the Lord.